You're listening to episode 45 of the Urban Yogi Podcast, featuring Yogi Beer. Yogi Beer is a herbalist and New York licensed acupuncturist and massage therapist. He is also a certified Kundalini yoga teacher with nearly a decade of experience. He holds a Master of Science in Traditional Oriental Medicine from the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and a Bachelor of Science in Engineering from the Cooper Union. Amenbir has counseled others in astrology and numerology in issues of health, relationships, career and life choices for over a decade. He draws upon the wealth of Eastern Chinese medicine, Kundalini Yoga, meditation and astrology in every session. As every person is unique, Amenbir uses his experience and insight to tailor a personal roadmap to health and harmony for each individual. It was so nice to sit down with Amenbir when I was in India studying with Gurmukh. He is one of the lead teachers with Gurmukh. We talked about Kundalini Yoga and his experience growing up as a young gay man and how he saw himself more as a superhero in relation to his gay identity, uh, almost like an X-Men. And I really liked how he conceptualized that when he was younger. We talked about self-esteem and self-worth, and basically just had an amazing conversation. I really love this man. I hope you enjoy my interview with Yogi Amandir. How many times have you been to India? At least 10 times, if not wow. more. Wow. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes it's been twice a year. Holy moly. Yeah. When's the first time you went? The first time I went was in 2010, I believe, and nice. that was uh, me taking the last of the level two modules. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow, so you, you wrapped it all up in 2010, and did you start teaching teacher trainers, teacher trainings then? I started teacher trainings, assisting in teacher trainings in 2009, 2009, nice. 2010, and that was the uh, first training with Gurmukh. Nice. At Golden Bridge Yoga in New in, York City. Oh, in New York. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then with our mutual friend Grayson, did you do something in, was it San Diego? Yeah, no, that was um, Tegion, as I know him. He was yeah, part Tegion. of the, the Ber- no, not the Berkeley, what was it? San, what's it? Santa Monica. Santa Monica, okay. That was cool. Santa Monica Golden Bridge teacher training that nice. he was a part of. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. And he said that you're a great guy too, and I, you are a great guy. Yeah, you're he's awesome. super. You great energy and. Um, it's nice to like find like queer friends in the Kundalini world. When I went through the teacher training, I found it was just a little sort of bit, not homophobic, that's too strong a word, but I kind of felt like there was a bit of, um, the, the sexual and gender diversity was missing from the teachings. Yeah. And so it's really refreshing to meet you and to meet Grayson and yeah. And you were saying, we were talking before at lunch about, um, you're kind of like the guy uh, that's directed to if there's any questions about sexual and gender fluidity and things of that nature. Can you say to the listeners what you were saying about like um, people who you know who ask, oh, like you know, is it men and women? And so, it's, is it all these boxes? Is that really what Yogi Bhajan wanted for his legacy? Yeah. Well, his legacy was about creating teachers, serving the times, serving people, mm. and with an understanding because of his mastery that to keep the integrity of the teachings pure, but at the same time to understand who you're teaching to, to elevate every single person, to mm-hmm. make Kali Yoga something that's an inclusive space yes. for everyone to have an experience. And so this is something that 
the KRI, which is the Community Research Institute that mm-hmm. handles all the certification process for teacher trainers and teacher mm-hmm. trainings that they're definitely aware of and they're working towards. It's just been a slow process, but it's getting there. It's awesome. And so the level one textbook will be changing soon, as I was just informed at the winter solstice celebration. Nice. And within the teachings of Kundalini Yoga, there wasn't necessarily a huge focus on the dynamics of sexuality or sexual energy in the context of anything other than heteronormative relationships, heterosexual relationships, Mm. uh, nor um, really any discussion about gender fluidity Mm. or other genders other than man and woman. The only one little um, quotation that I really remember Yogi Bhajan saying was he taught a lot about men being a certain way, women being a certain way, but then he also had the statement once where he said, but the polarities will dissolve at some point. That's really interesting. So mm-hmm. the teachings about marriage, the teachings about what man is, what defines woman, still, and this is what I was talking about earlier, still mm-hmm. apply for many people. Mm-hmm. But there's many other people that they don't apply to. Mm-hmm. Not practically. Right. Uh, not sensibly. And that's also part of our society, which goes through shifts. Um, India before the British invasion, um, had more gender fluidity, um, more acceptance of sexual preferences and gender roles and preferences, also within other parts of the world, indigenous cultures as well. So there was, it's not like it's a new phenomenon. It's just these things, just like everything of life goes through cycles. And so then, just to have to be the last cycles brought on by a lot of um, strong religious presence that had certain ideas about what made a family or what made um, a traditional sense of relation, acceptable sense of relationship. Right. And so now these, as these kind of major world religions, in terms of the damage that they've caused in the past, things are coming to a healing space, things are fading in terms of that grip of control, Mm -hmm. that there's now we're seeing more presence of other genders once again, of sexual strength, identity, Mm -hmm. um, acceptance. And so now we're in a space where we're going deeper into that shift. And so, yeah, I definitely can see how it can feel some people like left out of the teachings, but really Mm -hmm. it's not. It's just, uh, so one of the ways that the Kundalini Research Institute is working to shift it and the way that I teach it is to understand, like, to look at those teachings, not as something that's not relevant for anybody, but rather just reorient how you see it. Mm-hmm. So where there's discussion maybe about what a man and what defines a man, so instead of take the word man and replace it with masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And where it talks about the role of woman, look at that in terms of the role of the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And for those that may have like um, difficulty with those words, masculine and feminine, then look at it as any other polarity. Because our earth is a world of polarities. We all exist within polarities. The pathway mm-hmm. of Kundalini is based off the idea of polarities, of two right. channels circling one another to allow the central channel and the Kundalini to awaken and rise. Right. So you could look at it yin and yang. Sun and moon. moon. Yeah, exactly. Kirtan and Kanye West. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Kirtan and Kanye. (laughs) That's really great. I I believe that too. And and when my teacher was like, there's no teachings for gay yogis, I thought, well, maybe not within the canon of 
Yogi Bhajan teaching it in the Piscean era. But as you just said, I had this feeling that before British infiltration, you know, for example, Shiva, there's certain incarnations of Shiva where he is more of a they in, in the sense that half of him is, is a female and half of him is a male in yeah. one body. And then you alluded to like first nations cultures and indigenous tribes where like there were multiple genders and from the research I've done, often those in-betweeners were considered like the shamans and the healers of their tribes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they were often the first who the white man killed when they yeah. came over at least to Canada because they could sense that they were the powerful ones. So let's annihilate those people to make the tribe weaker. Yeah, that's just my, my personal um, viewpoint is like those that have a greater understanding of those polarities mm. tend to have more of a natural potency. And so kind of what I'm excited about is these teachings becoming more available for more um, people of the gender spectrum, mm-hmm. transgendered, et cetera, because uh, I feel like it'll awaken because I feel for many, for myself in the queer experience, it can feel like to grow up in a society or a culture that's not accepted, there's so much you have to like mental stuff they have to break through. So it makes the work kind of harder, but mm-hmm. worth it if you can get through it. So it's like lifting a heavier weight. Yeah, it's more fuel for the fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the spiritual fire. But yeah. it's definitely more of a burden for many people. And so mm-hmm. if collectively there can be like this healing and this introduction of Kalina Yoga, which I know is so healing, I feel mm-hmm. like it'll awaken that the same dynamic that we saw within indigenous and first tribe countries of uh, nations mm-hmm. of like, those were the people that really led the spirit of the tribe that really mm-hmm. provided so much counsel and had so much energy to provide. I feel like that's also something that can really awaken. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So if it, sometimes people ask like, is Kuni yoga okay if I'm gay? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Totally Great. Good. Good. Do it. Do it. Get into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, I, I sort of like, I'm like, a, I believe in like Alfred Kinsey's work and how, you know, he interviewed thousands and thousands of Americans in the 50s and he found most of them were not completely straight, nor were they completely gay. Yeah. And so all of these sort of polarities. Like Mr. Rogers. Like Mr. <laughs> Did Mr. Rogers say that too? Well, he, the, there was a statement where he's talked about like how he found men attractive and women attractive. And that's... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great for Mr. Rogers. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I love him. Tommy had to tie my shoes. That's fantastic. He's full of wisdom. That's <laughs> so great. Um, where do you think... I always ask my guests this. Where do you think homophobia came from? Because as we just have been talking about it hasn't always existed in the way that it's existed in the West. Yeah. No? That's something I would be curious to study. Uh, One teacher once told me, like, her perspective was that it was a way of helping to control society. Mm -hmm. If you had a man and a woman and they procreate, they create a baby, that's more taxes. Mm. That's more, that's going more population is going to generate wealth. Whereas if you have right. women and women, they're not going to procreate and have a child. Man and man are not going to procreate and have a child. Right. So then that doesn't add to the income of the church. Of the church. Yeah. Maybe it's a way of controlling. And, you know, if, if we like, um, if we look at like ancient Greece, um, apparently the norm was to have a wife if you're a male, but then to also engage in same sex relations. For example, the soldiers would have sex with each other because they believed it would bond them. So if one was, going to be injured they would be more protected because they had this stronger bond yeah and then like in in chimpanzees and bonobos apparently they're all bisexual to some degree and they diffuse at least in bonobo populations they diffuse tension through same-sex sexuality and opposite sex sexuality um like there's i remember in the textbook there's like these two male 
uh, bonobos and they're like really stressed out. So they put their butts together and reached around and started like playing with each other's balls. <laughs> like I was like, that is so that's so much better than like fighting. Just like diffuse the energy with the a little world leaders ball the same tingle. Thing. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and apparently um in in ancient Rome, like the greeting was to cop the other man's balls with your hand. Yeah. Yeah, and like <laughs> And this and is ask all them to cough and possibly. cough or something. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So yeah, and and to testify, they wouldn't testify with a Bible. They would put their hands on their balls and say, "I testify." Oh. And that's like testify comes from testicles. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So like, yeah. yeah. I just, yeah I studied a, I did a minor in critical studies and sexuality. Yeah. And um, so we learned some really interesting things. And yeah, I, I definitely think it's a way to control people. And um, it 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 really for me it did feel like lifting a really heavy weight growing up because like you're like oh my gosh like. If I come out, my parents could potentially disown me. I remember having that thought. Um, how was it for you, and how, what were some tools that you used to make it a great weightlifting experience, and not something that was going to, you know, destroy your spirit? As, you mean you like know, before Kundalini, just like early on yeah, in life? Yeah, and then getting into Kundalini, and what yeah. was that sort of queer journey of like becoming you, being yeah. present, strong, and self-accepting? Well, for me, it was like I was very into superheroes and comic books as a kid. My father got me into really like collecting all, especially the New Mutants collection. Oh. Which I think they're making a movie soon. We'll see how it turns out. But that was like my favorite comics. Like they were like, te- it was like X Men, but they were like teen X Men. So they had different abilities. One nice. was one was from I forget what tribe she was from, but she was um, what's her name, Silver Moon or Starfire, oh. something like that. She was really interesting. Uh, Danny St- Starfire, maybe, and then there was a, uh, <laughs> and then there was one Brazilian uh, man of color or teen of color cool. who's part of the team. So it was a very interesting team, like in terms yeah. of like the diversity, the, the the oppression they had to face, both racially, culturally, and then also being mutants. The powers, right? Yeah. So I related to it, like me being gay and having those feelings as a kid and teenager, I felt it was like my superpower. Wow. And that's how I were like kind of mentally coped was just like, okay, I got to keep it a secret. It's my superpower. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool that you were able to conceptualize it in that way. Yeah. Were your, were your parents open about it or were they sort of like homophobic? Well, for me, it was, um, I was just very private sexually and mm. then think it's, you know, kids either will emulate their parents or go like opposite direction. Because my okay. mom is someone who's always been very open with sexuality. Like, okay. I remember like the age of like nine, handing me all these books about masturbation. Like, here you go, oh, read these. And I was wow. like, ah, I don't want to read these. <laughs> so I was just kind of geared towards more privacy. Right. And um, and so then there was one part. I had a boyfriend in high school. And uh, my, I was living with my grandmother. She was the one who raised me. Mm-hmm. And there was one point where she like walked into the room, and I think he was like getting dressed. And um, and then she just like jumped to conclusions. She was just like, you know, he's being gay in my house. He can't do this. And and then she called up my mother, and I'll never forget what my mom told me. My mom, but my mom was really, you know, my mom's really like direct and <laughs> double Virgo. Uh, <laughs> so she simply told my grandmother, like, well, you're not paying your bills. I am, so you don't have an opinion. Wow. Yeah. Oh, nice. So she stood up for you. Yeah. Like, not a, she, so then she after that, my grandmother didn't say anything about it. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really great. So. And then my mother um, kind of forced me out of the closet. Oh, wow. Yeah, she, like, locked me in a car, and she's like, you're gay, and I lied to her. I was like, no. And then, because I was just like, I don't know how she'll take it. Right. And... 
<laughs> and then fuck you in the car. That's a good technique. And then she was just like, she's like, why are you lying to me? I tell everything to my mother, your grandmother. And I was like, fine, I am. She's like, oh, good. I'm bisexual. <laughs> and so that, <laughs> that's awesome. And so she just knew. Oh, great. That's yeah. awesome. And how about your father? My father, so my mom and my dad divorced when I was three. My dad and I, actually, we've never had a, a real conversation about it. Um, I figured, like, I'll have a conversation with him, like, you know, if I get to the point where I want to marry someone. Right. <laughs> you right, know, like, right. other than that, like, it's you know, I don't, I don't talk right to sexuality with my dad because he's, mm-hmm. like, it's, um, his sense of sexuality sometimes emulates that of, like, a, a teenager. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was mean, just trying to shift the topic with him. But, um... But yeah, with him, like he found out my, I think my sister was in my apartment and was going through some magazines and found this like publication of, um, this still before Kundalini Yoga, she found this publication of different like clubs and other experiences uh-huh. and um, for gay lifestyle in New York. And she found it, my dad found it and that my mom again t- tells me in the conversation, he called her up like upset. Like he was just like, oh, I, you know. What's my happening? sister, Crystal, found this gay magazine in his home, and mm-hmm. he's like, I think he's gay, and then um, she put him on his place, and nice. <laughs> he was fine. <laughs> Your mom sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she's very open spirit. Like That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that was a really, it was a blessing to have um, a mother who was accepting of my sexuality, for yeah. sure, and I feel thankful that I had that experience, like mental kind of coping mechanism or just viewpoint of seeing it as like a superpower Superpower, so it didn't make me feel ashamed ever of my sexuality i just thought it was like something that was precious like that's so cool yeah i am one of my students came up to me and she was like you know my my daughter is is a lesbian and your classes have really helped me because sometimes i'll share personal stories and try to relate to the universal yeah about my experience and and she said that her daughter had said that she you know she felt like her parents weren't ready to hear about that side of her yeah and that i guess being in my class this girl i guess she's like i feel like because like you've been going to will's classes now that's one of the reasons why i feel ready like you guys are ready to hear this i'm a lesbian yeah and and i just thought that was really interesting instead of you know playing the victim she she was like in her power and she's like "Mm, i don't feel like they're ready yet but she she never felt shame about her sexuality. Yeah. And I, I really like that because sometimes I, in the past I've fallen into like a victim sort of mode and I don't like being in that state. Yeah. And so I just really like how like you reframed it as a superpower. She reframed it like my parents aren't ready to hear this yet. I love them and you know, I love them where they're at spiritually. Yeah. But I'll wait until they're ready to hear it. You know, she, it, and I just love that because yeah. I didn't do that. I kind of fell into the victim role and it was really stressful at times. Yeah. So I just think that's such a great way to reframe well, it. Well, her viewpoint is also supported by Kundalini Yoga uh-huh. in the sense as souls that we choose mm-hmm. our parents. Ah, and that's a Kundalini thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, yeah so it's part of like the, the these teachings of the soul is that the soul comes in with a certain construct of karmas that we want to work through. Mm. And part of that choice is which parents do we reincarnate current through that's really interesting to work on those karmas so then that sense of how she looked at like they're not ready is like sometimes mm-hmm. we can choose parents that just may have more issues than us yes <laughs> <laughs> totally and it's just like saying instead of oh, being like God. why can't they be at the level I'm at or why can't they have the conscience I have it's just simply like well that's where they're at right and when they're ready then we can have this adult conversation yes oh my god yeah. I just I just love that and I heard recently from a teacher that his definition of karma is unprocessed emotions mm. he's a breath worker yeah and i really love that definition um it just feels really emotionally mature to yeah. me yeah 
And so, yeah, perhaps like we choose our parents to learn how to process our karma, our emotions in a, in a, in a, an effective way, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about karma? What's your sort of understanding of karma? And well, my understanding of karma is I feel like there's so many different levels to karma and to the sense that I kind of focus on, it's not directly an opposite, but like the other side of it is like dharma, which mm. transcends. Like I think of karma as being like fate, like what is written in the stars for you. Like a, mm. a great astrologer can tell you like when you'll marry, when you'll die. But when you start working on a path of dharma, which is like really being embodied with your highest sense of self of service, mm. whatever that service means in relationship to your soul, mm-hmm. then you can transcend those limitations of what is written, what is, what is fate. Mm. And so that I think of karma. Can you say that one more time? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think of, I think of karma and so relationship to Dharma mm-hmm. and where I see karma relating to fate, like what is written, to, what is written for out for you in the stars? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what's pre-planned destiny Mm. and where I think of Dharma, which is living in that embodiment of your highest self Mm -hmm. in accordance to what brings you in the greatest capacity to serve. Mm -hmm. Because for all of us serve in different ways. Yes. And uh, to live in Dharma, you transcend those lines of fate. You transcend the karma. Oh, that's so powerful. And so like what was planned out, like maybe you die, maybe you marry. It's like maybe you die later on. You'll still die at some point, but maybe you don't marry. Maybe you will marry many times. It's like if it's part of your dharma to serve, if it helps your impact of service. So that's how I really see like that relationship to karma. But Mm. still understanding has many levels. So like there is a... Karma can be as simply as if you have a burrito at midnight, you're going to have an uncomfortable gas in the morning. That's a, that's a karma. <laughs> so every choice, every action has a direct, you know, reaction. Or, yeah. Reaction. Yeah. Right. So, so there's still like, I'm not saying like karma doesn't exist, but I try to look at like Dharma, like, okay, we'll mm. have this, well, having this burrito at midnight serve me and increase my impact to serve. Well, maybe not because I'm going to be gassing right? Right. <laughs> or I'm going to be sluggish from eating this yeah. late at night. So, yeah. so that's what I try to align myself with. More and more, you know, I make mistakes as any human being does, uh-huh. but I try to like, just think, okay, like where is the Dharma in this decision? Where is Dharma? Right. How can I follow through on Dharma in this? That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my friends in the yoga teacher training, she sort of helped me come up with a mantra. Yeah. Is it inspiring? Is it elevating? Is it conducive for my growth? And mm-hmm. so like, whether it's like a choice to hang out with people or go to a certain event or eat you know before bed it's like is it inspiring is it elevating will it is it like an ingredient towards my growth and being in my power and my dharma yeah and yeah it's been really powerful to just always remind myself of that before i make decisions that's great yeah super beneficial yeah (laughs) yeah and have you ever done intermittent fasting i've been experimenting with that and i've i found that's like pretty helpful like intermittent fasting yeah i i did try it for a little bit and I didn't find it was effective for me mm. because I found within that like small window mm-hmm. of time of eating, I, I just felt like it wasn't healthy diet for me uh, to I eat in such a small window. But I know a lot of people that like have great results with it. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, um, like there's one, uh, amazing man who I teach, 
privates at his gym and teach him and his crew sometimes and nice. do some events at. It's this gym called Dog Pound in New York. Cool. And I know a lot of the trainers there do, do intermittent fasting oh, yeah. for their physique and they find really great results with it. Huh. Um, I found more so with just doing smaller meals mm. and warm meals throughout the day is better for my body and metabolism. Cool. That's kind of what I'm doing, like trying yeah. just not to eat like right before bed. So yeah, my, my feeding time is pretty broad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love to feed. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I first met Grimook, um, when was that? 2009, I believe. Uh, she like, it was one of our first conversations. And I think I was like the way I lit up talking about some type of dish, she was like, you're a foodie, aren't you? And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> so I love food too much to like yeah. have it only in an eight hour window. Right. Or like a four hour window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are some of your favorite dishes? Uh, my favorite dishes. I love, uh, like mung beans and rice with like fried oh, onions. Oh yeah. Um, or sauteed onions. Is that kind of like a kitchery though? The mung beans and rice together mushed up? Yeah. Like mushed up. Yeah. Cool. Like cooked mushed up and then you add like sauteed onions to it. So delicious. Oh, that sounds really yummy. Yeah. I love that. Um, then what else do I really like? I love pesto, like pesto. Mm. Oh, like yeah, I love making good. like quinoa pasta with pesto. Oh, yeah. And also I haven't made, been making them as recently, but I love making, I make amaranth or quinoa mm. or buckwheat. Um, so vegan gluten-free pancakes. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I'll it's so fun. I just use here. the filler as um, hemp seeds. Yeah. And it's so good. And I have my oh. pancake maker at home. It's Cute. so good. That's so awesome. Yeah. And you just, oh yeah, pancake maker and then like maple syrup on top? Yeah, maple syrup, yeah. Delicious. It's the way to go. It's so yummy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to have maple syrup on a pancake. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. Yeah. What do you find um, about this space that we're in? Like, I'm finding it's very powerful. It feels very like, it's so different from being in like downtown Delhi where it's so frenetic. Yeah. I'm really grateful that we're up here in the Himalayas. Uh, it's nice to have the ocean, not the ocean, the river, and then the mountains. Yeah. And like the divine masculine, the divine feminine. And the rain. And the rain. Yeah. yeah it just starts to rain on this hot tin roof. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love this area compared to Delhi. Well, Delhi has so much pollution. Mm. Right now, it's not as bad as it was last year. But last year, it was just mm. like... Mm drive right in even though even though sorry even like a few weeks ago I drove into Delhi mm-hmm. from Amritsar I was visiting Amritsar mm-hmm. and then I just I had to take a car from Amritsar to Delhi because yeah. they stopped all the airports because of the the attack on the war planes with Pakistan oh, yeah, I heard about that, yeah. yeah so the day of, I was supposed to fly out oh, wow. <laughs> and so I took the car down to Delhi and as the car is driving I literally see like a brown line in front oh, of us yeah like a brown cloud. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, can you close the window? And he didn't want to. So oh, I was just like no, breathing just in this breathing brown cloud for a few hours. Oh, dear. Yeah, so it is, it's very, I feel a toxic place. Mm-hmm. Um, it has beauty like every place, but like to live there, I think it's so harsh on the body. True that, eh? Because of the pollution, like on your skin, in your lungs, in the food. Yeah. Yeah, I found I just kind of smelled of like yeah. smokiness and stuff just for being there for a few hours. Yeah. Oh, dear. Wow. And uh, here, there, especially where we're here, north of Rishikesh, there is no pollution whatsoever. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really great. <laughs> Yay for yeah. this area. Yeah. Breathe in as much as you can. Woo! The water is clean. No bugs or weird stuff. So yeah. you drink as much water as you can oh, now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Not getting residues from plastics or any other odd substances. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. even like, I've been like swimming in the, is this the Ganges here? Yeah. Yeah, it's it an offshoot. Is this called the... 
They call this the googly gongi. Gongies. The googly gongies. Yeah. That's so cute. Because it kind of Googles around. Like, yeah, it <laughs> reconnects with it at some point. It's oh, an very cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, and I heard it's got certain properties, like an, almost antibacterial properties, where they've tested it even downstream, yeah. where it's more polluted, and it, it's able to sort of like process the pollution yeah. faster than a normal river. Yeah. Yeah, but only to a certain degree. Once it gets yeah. to Veranasi, stay out it's of like, it. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> One more question. Um, what do you think of the word uh, brahmacharya? Uh, for me, it means creating boundaries around the life I love to live. Mm. Um, have you ever experimented with, like, brahmacharya in that sense and or brahmacharya in the sense of, like, semen retention or, like, being celibate for a certain amount of time? And have you had any benefits or challenges with that? Well, there was one time that uh, Grimuk recommended that I spend some time in celibacy. Ah. And uh, she's my mentor, so I love having the opportunity of having her as a mentor. And a mentor is one that just helps to challenge your ego. Ah, <laughs> we're all, good, we all have ego, so that's it's opportunity definition. as we grow in our spiritual strength, fortitude, that we also mm-hmm. still have a teacher or a mentor to guide us, mm-hmm. or else it's like time and space become the teachers and they're so harsh yes so she challenged me to be celibate for a period of time and that was such a great experience how long did you go um that was almost a year yeah cool what were some of the biggest learnings from that uh benefits one of the biggest benefits from that experience i would say was to have a clear understanding of the patterns I was getting into in terms of relationship. Mm. So having the, having a time period, a framework, it just made me more conscious of like the type of relationship I was entering into. Mm. And I, I realized at a certain point I was going into it like too much of a toxic pattern, too mm. much of a harsh negative pattern. And what kind of pattern? Just like it wasn't deep enough or... I would like, I I would say I, I kept getting involved with men that range on like the with some sociopathic or psychopathic. Oh, tendencies. like sort of like ener- energy vampire. <clears throat> yeah, to to so, yeah to narcissistic say, personality disorder. Yeah, like, like, like different personality disorders. Kind of thing. Yeah, and um, to to degree where I think even like that like one was just like like dangerous oh no and so I was just like oh no I'm repeating my mom's pattern ah. of dating and mm-hmm. so that having that time off where like it was like don't date <laughs> it made me to be like okay well if I'm going to date you know it has to really have impact and she was just like I mean she was very harsh and loving at the same time but she was just like you know I'm a beer you're a beautiful black man of color. It makes you seem exotic to a lot of people and they want to own you. Or, and then mm. either they want to own you or they want to destroy you. So, oh, wow. So it's just like you need to like just take a break to really mm. just assess your own worth, assess yourself. And it really helped me to kind mm. of see that and see that patterning. Mm. So it just made me like just a lot more like... Where were you meeting those men? Was it like on Grindr? Or was it like a club or... It would be in different spaces. Like... Um, yeah, I never had a problem meeting people. Like one time I went to the Czech Republic to go teach a class 
and this man and his boyfriend at the time literally like he sees me he's going into this hatha class and he's just like oh hi who are you and then he's just like oh you're here in pra- oh great oh we should have tea sometime <laughs> <laughs> so he goes into his hatha class yeah. afterwards i guess we, we exchanged numbers after i taught my class and uh we <laughs> so, just like hey yeah so it's just kind of like life was yeah. like just yeah events in life presenting opportunities and yeah that, that's that's really yeah that's I think that's really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I've been experimenting with just like going inside and yeah, assessing my worth, practicing self-approval and self-acceptance. And then through that, like Yogi Bhajan talks about the self-sensory system Yeah. and how, you know, over the next 50 years we'll develop it and that'll be our archangel and our guiding light. And it's amazing how good I can feel through just being in my self-sensory system and it's like, wow, I can really satisfy myself to this degree that I didn't realize I could. Yeah. And I think I was looking for that in a relationship. Yeah. And it's very, it's very empowering to feel whole, to feel more complete and practice that feeling and that lifestyle that enables me to feel that more often Yeah. so that I can bring that to a relationship when the time is right. Yeah. Well, when we can make a sacrifice, I think it's a traditional idea. When we make a sacrifice of ego, it, it like takes away something that blocks our intuition. So mm. then we can get a wider perspective. Mm. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Dr. Northrup was saying it's kind of like putting muffins in the oven and keep opening it to check it. Yeah. Like, just put lips, let them, let them bake a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One more question. What does your spiritual name mean? Uh, Aman Beer. So, Nirinjin, I wrote her this long letter. I Did think I wrote Carl the singer. No, Nirinjin, uh, Yogi Bhajan's first secretary. Oh, or one of one of his first secretaries. And that's not Nirin Yin who makes the spiritual names. Maybe it's fair. I, I mispronounced Nirin. the two of them all the time. Oh, that's okay. That's so, yeah, okay. one is Nirinjin, one is Nirinjin, and yeah, so it might be Nirinjin. Okay, no, I, I think she's Nirinjin. Maybe it was an orange. I don't know. Yeah, okay. One so, of those lovely ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's very lovely. So I wrote her a letter, and, uh, and she actually responded and said she really touched her, and it would take like a day to get my name, and so it did, yeah. and she sent me the name Amon Beer. Huh. So and, you wrote her a letter to get the name? Yeah. Instead of just going on the website? Yeah, I did it through the website. You can send a letter. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think it's still set up that way. That was like 2005 or six. Oh, yeah. I just put in my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> like Did you at least put idea. profession? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if there was a, a I know it asked for at least that, like profession oh, and your birthday. It? Oh, I can't remember. And your birth name. I was just so excited to, to be getting yeah. a spiritual name. I can't remember even what, I, I, what the, bar, the boxes were, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then I got the next day, Amon Beer. And Amon means peace and beer means courage. Ah, cool. And then sing as everyone gets excited about, oh my God, they were speaking just to me. How'd they know I love lions? But, ah, you know, we're all, we're all, all, lions. all the men are yeah. lions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also the context that Aman means the peace that does no harm. Because there's different oh, qualities of peace. Like there's mm. Shanti, mm-hmm. which is the inner state of peace. Right. Um, and I believe there's other words for peace. But Aman, in this context of my name, is like peace that is harmless, does no harm. Cool. And then beer is the courage. So mm. it takes a lot of courage to be peaceful in this world. Oh my gosh, that's and true, yeah. So my mission, if I choose to accept it with my name, mm-hmm. is to be, and this was like heavy pressure when I first read mm-hmm. it, was to be the example of peace even when everyone around me doesn't understand what peace means. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's really beautiful. <laughs> thank you, Owen Beer, for yeah, your my, time. My pleasure. For being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having yeah. me. Oh, namaste. Yeah, namaste. Satnam. Bye, good. Yeah. Oh, where can people find you online? Uh, my website is AuthenticHarmony.com. Nice. And I list like retreats and events, trainings. And Sweet. then Instagram, you can follow me at Yogi Amanbir. Nice. Or you can follow my guru, Kitty Guru NYC. Cute. <laughs> His guru is a little cat. <laughs> it's also Teggy on Grayson's guru. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I want to meet your, your Kitty Guru. Yes. <laughs> Next time I'm in New York. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. So Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Yogi Amandir. Go to his website, AuthenticHarmony.com, for all of his retreats and workshops all around the world. And if you like the music that's featured in my podcast, please head over to iTunes and subscribe and get my uh, new album, Tejron Deer and Friends, live at the Cult. It's got a lot of Kundalini yoga music and pop music and just torch songs and Rasha's anecdotes and yogic meditations for self-esteem and self-acceptance. I hope you all have a great week and I'll see you next week for another interview. Love you. Bye.
powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant? Gorgeous, talented, fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. You're all meant to shine as children do. You're born to make manifest the glory that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. May the long time